am sitting in studio and uh, I'm trying to arrange my whole life and get my papers in order. And suddenly the music starts and they wave at me, Gene. We're on yes. the air. We are yeah, on the air. Time to go. It's a good mm-hmm. thing that I had like my shirt on and mm-hmm. stuff. And uh, you are listening to Disclosure. I should probably name the show so people don't wonder who it is that's talking. My name is Sean uh, and I'm with my wife, Jean. I believe you are my wife. I and, am yeah, your wife. Mm-hmm. Poor girl has been saddled with me or shackled to me for, mm, I always forget how long we've been married. I insist. I insist that it's like 23. Yeah. Is it, it 23 it years? It is 23. I got it right for once. We've had yeah. this long-standing argument, folks, about how long we've been married. I say we got married in 1992. No. And my wife insists that we got married in 1993. And I am correct. Yeah. No, I don't know about that. Yes, I showed uh, you our uh, marriage certificate yeah, recently we when we were doing paperwork. we didn't paperwork. file with the government for like a year. It was October <laughs> no. when we got married, and then we yeah. filed with the government in January and got the 93 no. certificate because no. we actually got married in 1992. Nope. And I met you in 1989? Yes, that part you have right. How did we get married so fast? That's like a four-year gap. It was <laughs> we a were little young. under four years. Yeah, we were we super were, young. You know, when I look back at that, we were yeah. way too young to get married. I know. Way too I young. Know. Now, as an, an older guy, I mean, I'm not ancient yet. I'm standing on that magical bridge between youth and geriatrics. I'm a middle-aged guy, yeah. right? I'm halfway down the line. I can relate to both ends of the spectrum. I can mm-hmm. relate to these young people. I can relate to these old people. And when young couples walk into my study, or did, because I no longer have a church. I don't do a lot of weddings anymore. But when I did... I remember coming to this point where the couples walk in and I'm thinking, you are way too young to get married. And then I realized they are older than we were I know. when I we know. got married. And if you if you went into marriage knowing how little you knew, it would scare the stuffing out of you. Mm-hmm. I mean, we got married. We had nothing. No, we were... We were Actually, we hadn't graduated from university yet. We both had well, one semester because, yeah, yeah, of university left. That's because I managed to cram a four-year BA into seven. It wasn't easy. Yeah, yeah. yeah you, you were on the accelerated program. Yeah, I was on the accelerated, accelerated program. program. No, I did four years in six and a half. It wasn't an yeah. easy way to do it. Yeah. No, I yeah. actually I ran out of money. I had to make some money. You know, and you ran a business yeah. for a couple of years. But then I had mm-hmm. no employment. We got married. Think about this. Your dad said yes. I'm I old know. school. I went and asked your dad if we could get married. Right. Uh, and at first, when I asked to talk to him, he looked really grave and upset. I mean, there's the truth. Um, he looked grave and upset, and I thought, uh-oh, he doesn't like, he knows what I'm about to ask him, and he doesn't like this. This is not going to go well. <laughs> so when I asked him, look, you know, I think Jean likes me, and I really like her. Do you, if we were to get married, would that, you know, have your blessing? And he smiles. He goes, oh, you look so sick when you wanted to ask me that I was afraid you were going to break it off with her, and I was pretty ticked off. <laughs> And, yeah, because um, I imagine you looked like you were terrified. Oh, no, I, thought, I thought I was going to throw up. And your yeah. dad's easy to talk to. He's not. So now yeah. it's my turn. Like our daughters yeah. are growing up. Mm-hmm. I am going to make it their worst day of their lives, oh, these nice. young men. If you are listening no. to this radio show and it's in rebroadcast later and you are dating my daughter, just understand it is not going to be an easy day for you at my house. Oh, come on. Can't you have some empathy for how you no, felt? None. No, none. These are my daughters. Oh, okay. These are my daughters and not a chance. Uh, one guy called one time to ask if he could take our daughter to banquet. You remember oh, that? yeah, that's right. Uh, you made him you know, call. Well, yeah. yeah, I made him call. Mm-hmm. And he's like, uh, hello, hello, sir. Um, uh, how is your day going? And I said, I have had an awful day. It's been very hard. What can I do for you? And it got quiet <laughs> oh, on the other end. Poor kid. You're so mean. It is my job <laughs> as a dad. My job. Here, let oh, me show you something. We okay. do have a topic today. Yeah, our topic, have? we started in on a study of Jesus before Jesus mm-hmm. um, some mm-hmm. time ago, mm-hmm. and we never got finished. There was so much content. We went looking for Jesus in the Old Testament and found out he's not just prophesied and, and he is prophesied. There are direct prophecies. Behold, a virgin shall conceive. 
Um, and there are actual foreshadowings. There are stories that foreshadow the story of Jesus. That just gives evidence of the inspiration of the Bible. Nobody could have faked this whole thing. They were clearly right. written before Jesus was born, and the details of these other characters um, foreshadow what would happen in the life of Jesus. But then we also discover that Jesus himself puts in personal appearances. Mm-hmm. And we were drawing from a book called Jesus Before Jesus, the Jesus of the Old Testament that you find all through the Bible. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're listening on the radio, you're not going to be able to see what I'm about to show you. But but we do have cameras here in studio. And uh, if you go to the website, voiceofprophecy.com, you can follow along visually. This is yes. not just this like, you what would you call visual listen. radio? We need a new name for that. Visual radio would be like visual TV. Yeah. yeah TV. <laughs> visual radio. Television. Oh, we're cutting edge here. We're way ahead of the curve. Yeah. You know, the rest of the world didn't catch up till 1947, mm-hmm. but we have visual radio. But here it is. I'm going to hold this up to a camera. Jesus Before Jesus is the book that we're drawing from. This is a steel. Look at, look at these chapter titles. The real historical Jesus, Jesus the Creator. We talked about that last time. We did. We the very that first, well. the very first prophecy. Uh-huh. We talked about that last time. Dinner with Jesus. Mm-hmm. Uh, that dinner with Jesus. Yeah, that, that's a good. Let that's me see what's one. in. I'm, I can hardly wait to see what I wrote. Yeah. Let me see here. You dinner with remember. Jesus. Oh no, we did talk about this last time. This is Gen- mm-hmm. Genesis chapter eighteen. The Lord appears. And we'll come back to that here in a few minutes. The Lord appears to Abraham on the plains of Mamre. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else have I gotten here? The enigmatic Melchizedek. There's this story in Genesis. 14 about this strange figure, Melchizedek the priest, who worships the same God as Abraham. They both call him El Elyon in the original language, the Most High God. Wrestling with Jesus, Jacob's encounter, uh, the manifold grace of God, that's one of my favorites. It's the story of Joseph prefiguring Jesus. Uh, the burning bush, we might get to that today. Commander of the Lord's host, we might get to that today. But the book is called Jesus Before Jesus. And you can get it at well, not yes. at Barnes and Noble. No, Can't not at Barnes and Noble. Can't but get it at Amazon. You can get it on our website, yes, you can. which is voiceofprophecy.com. Much easier to type is simply vop.com. Right. And if you type in vop.com/store, or if you click on the store link, you can find this book there, Jesus Before Jesus. Yep. Um, it was last time we checked two ninety nine. I cannot guarantee that whenever you are listening to this program that it is still that price. Um, no, if but, the twenty, um, if it's the year twenty fifty three, I'm dead. Yeah, and you the think, book is oh, now five ninety nine. No. Yeah, no. Um, no, no, because I'm dead, it'll be all that much more valuable. Let's not talk about that. No, yeah, it's going to happen. You book. know that, right? If, uh, Jesus <laughs> is probably going to come before then, but if he doesn't, yeah. I am going to die. You wow. will be free one day. Oh, Jesus fine. before Jesus is the name of the book. Mm-hmm. You find it at voiceofprophecy.com. And, um, and this is a great study. This demonstrates that Jesus is not an afterthought. Jesus doesn't appear in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John for the very first time. You find him woven all through the Old Testament. So that's mm-hmm. what we're going to talk about today again. We're going to pick up where we left off. We had started with um, Jesus visiting Abraham on the plains of Mamre. Right. And in a moment, we'll discuss again why that is. We'll kind of overlap a little bit. We'll go back to Isaac and so on. But before we do that, i got to show you something. Okay. Yeah, Here we are. Have? It is the year 2017. Unless, of course, you're listening to a rebroadcast, a rerun. I'm going to close your water here. The professionals in the business call it a rerun. That's how you can tell the difference between a pro and an amateur. A pro says it is a rerun. Oh, No, a rebroadcast. The amateur says rerun. Right. Okay. But look at this. I've been at the Voice of Prophecy for a number of years now, Mm -hmm. and you you know it's something special on the radio if you're listening because Gene went, ooh. Yeah. Um, It's very special. It's very cool. But uh, you can't see it unless, of course, you come to voiceofprophecy.com. I'll hold this up. Look at the cover of this book. There's nothing on it. But when I got to the Voice of Prophecy, I was rifling around. Oh, I got it upside down. 
Yeah. I mean, it's a giant book. Let me describe for you what we're ooing and aahing about. It is a giant book. What would you say? About a foot wide and about two feet tall. Looks about right. And oh, brown. three, four inches thick. It's brown. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, this sounds like a kindergarten class, doesn't it? <laughs> yes. What What do you observe what about this book? Yeah. But it was in a pink or a fuchsia. Look at that. I understand my colors as a man. Yeah, it was in a fuchsia pillowcase in a drawer. Right. Which is weird. I thought, this. Is, what is this in this desk drawer? Because, of course, we moved the whole ministry from Los Angeles to Colorado. And as we were packing up, uh, somebody found this in a desk drawer. And mm-hmm. they said, well, somebody gave this to the Voice of Prophecy a long time ago. Do you know what it is? It is a book. And the book is called... Uh, I've got to flip through the front few pages here. Careful, careful. Careful, careful. Mm-hmm. Uh, Martin, Dr. Martin Luther's Divine Discourses at His Table. Mm-hmm. Now, you can get that at Amazon.com. I'm sure it's in reprint a thousand times over. But not this edition. This one was printed in 1652. Mm-hmm. This book in my hands. Mm-hmm. That's why you closed my water. <laughs> that's this exactly book why I closed your water. in my hands is almost 400 years old. Right. It's got the old S's that look like F's. Yeah, it's and beautiful. so, you know, I didn't realize it was from 1652. So for like a year, I was highlighting my favorite passages with a highlighter <laughs> and, um, you know, and you cutting cutting pages out no, that were my favorites and stuff. No. I was using a highlighter in the book and I got halfway through the book. You know, I, I highlight like you. I, you may as well get... Actually, I don't. I highlight the occasional thought. You use a paint roller. You may as well, by the time the stuff that stands out when you're done with a book, the stuff that stands out is the stuff that's not highlighted. Okay, you say that, but it's oh, not no. entirely you know, just buy my accurate. wife. If you want to buy my wife a nice gift, get her a paint roller and a bucket of highlighter paint. <laughs> I do like highlighters. <laughs> yeah, I know. So the whole book glows in the dark by the time you're done. No, I didn't really. Please don't no, write no, angry no, letters no, about me didn't. desecrating an old book. I didn't use a highlighter. Before. But look, but this Sean, is this is the year. Okay. 1517 was the year that uh, Martin Luther nailed his 95 theses. We should do a show on this this we year sometime. We should, because it's now 2017. It's 2017. It's been 500 years. October 31st will be 500 years since Martin mm-hmm. Luther nailed his theses to the church door in Wittenberg. Mm-hmm. And that has all kinds of implications for the path that Christianity took. It has all kinds of implications for personal civil liberties. Um, you know, it has all kinds of implications for the church coming back out of the Dark Ages situation that was created after we wedded the church to the Roman Empire under Constantine. Um, but look at this. This is old, you know, and yeah. this is here at the Voice of Prophecy. See. If you're in Loveland, Colorado, come on in and you can see this book from, I think we even, uh, Reuben, we have an old Bible somewhere in the building too that's almost from the same period, don't we? I see him nodding his head in the booth. You have a microphone in there. You can talk to us. Uh, he's not going to do it. He's, <laughs> look, he's shy. This page you had open, Sean. Look, you can Double see printed. where they, they, made a mistake. they made a little mistake on the page number. Yeah. It's so neat. Do you, know what, do you know what I found amazing? I was thinking about this. These, the trees used to make this, if this is paper, maybe it's I linen. Know. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, it's, you know, I, I don't know enough about ancient books. This could be linen. Uh, I don't know what the pages are made out of. But if it's made from a tree, this is a tree that was chopped down in the 400 century. years ago. Yeah. And it's bound in leather. Yeah. So here we have on the desk, we have a piece of a cow who lived 400 years ago. There is a, you know, cows didn't think they would achieve immortality. In uh, Yeah, it's yeah, got it's a leather, leather. binding. Mm-hmm. And cows in the early 1600s probably didn't believe they would ever achieve immortality. But some sad cow, let's call it bossy because it's a... It's an English edition of this. Mm-hmm. Bossy the cow living in Lincolnshire, England, didn't realize that <laughs> that now, her hide would be on my desk. On your desk. Now, I'm in glad. the year. <laughs> that's a, like that's oh, as close shot. to a real time machine as you get. Now, Maybe I'm, we should give my hide to science so you can bind a book with it, and then if 
if time goes on, we could have like the Boonstra commentary. I we could think so. bind some of but the I'm, books I've written with my own hide. I'm glad you've wrapped that up and put it aside because I'm sure there's someone listening or watching who is horrified that we are touching that old book with our bare hands. I put and it not back in the fuchsia pillowcase. <laughs> I put it. Okay, well, that I just wanted to bring out. This is the big year, and I think we should do a special maybe on Martin Luther and and the um, and the high cost of the liberty he bought for us. He wasn't alone. There were forerunners like Tyndall and Huss and Wycliffe. And if you go further back, uh, well, I'm not going to reveal who was further back. I'm convinced that Martin Luther was standing on the work of a thousand years of people who were preparing the way for him on that remarkable day. That Uh, A thousand years of Hmm. history that led up to Martin Luther. And I've been doing some homework. There are all these barbarian tribes who suddenly convert to Christianity outside the bounds of the Roman Empire in the thousand years prior to uh, Martin Luther. So it's such a fascinating story. Everybody should be aware that there was always more than one strain of Christianity. And we're going to bring that out in a big special in October called A Pale horse rides. You need to to look for that coming this October that will tell the story of the thousand years that led to Martin Luther. So, Martin Luther moment on the show today, and that uh, Divine Discourses, the book is sitting here um, on the desk, but that's not our topic for today. We're going to go much older than a book from the 1600s. What we're going to do is go all the way back to Jesus in the Old Testament. Jesus Before Jesus is the book. You can find that at voiceofprophecy.com. And, uh, and click on store. You'll find it there for like three bucks at the moment. And as soon as we come back from this break, we'll pick up where we were studying before with Jesus appearing on the plains of Mamre. Earthquakes, tornadoes, wildfires. Around us, homes are being lost, lives are threatened, and some people are asking the question, does God even care about me? The Bible answers that question, and what it says is very encouraging. Find out what God says regarding this topic and some of life's greatest issues in our free Discover Bible Guides. Go to VOP.com and click on Study, or call us 888-456-7933. Are you searching for answers to life's toughest questions? Like, where is God when we suffer? Can I find real happiness, or is there any hope for our chaotic world? The Discover Bible Guides will help you find the answers that you're looking for. Visit us at BibleStudies.com or give us a call at 888-456-7933 for your free Discover Bible Guides. Study online on our secure website or have the free guides mailed right to your home. There is never a cost or obligation. The Discover Bible Guides are our free gift to you. Find answers in guides like, Does My Life Really Matter to God? and A Second Chance at Life. You'll find answers to the things that matter the most to you. Visit BibleStudies.com and begin your journey today to discover answers to life's deepest questions. This is Disclosure. My name is Sean Boonstra. I'm with my wife, Jean, and we have put 
the 400-year-old cowhide back in the fuchsia pillowcase. Um, <laughs> it wasn't really a cowhide if you're just joining us. We have this Martin Luther Divine Discourses dating to 1652 that we found in a drawer. And as I understand it, not many of the original crew that were here years and years and years ago are still around, but uh, somebody gave that as a gift to the Voice of Prophecy. And so Wonderful. if you're ever in Loveland, Colorado and want to see that ancient book, you know, I think we should probably put that in a humidity-controlled room and wear white gloves and the whole yes. bit. Yes. But um, but do, you know, even if you can't see the book, if you're ever in northern Colorado, please drop by and visit us. You can find our office at 255 East uh, 6th Street. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't have a lot of people walk through the front door every day, so sometimes it's good to call ahead and say, hey, I'd like to see the Voice of Prophecy. And I yes. want to see where Sean, you know, where Gene endures Sean's yes. diatribes <laughs> down there in the basement studio. And we'd, we'd yeah. be delighted to show you what God has given us here yeah. as a facility. Okay. If you call ahead, we can give you a tour and you can actually come right in here and see the studio where we're recording. That's right. Mm-hmm. And you could actually sit here and make a show. Uh, I'm, I see Ruben grimacing. No, we can't. We can't let you make a show. But it would probably be a better show than I make. You know, it doesn't take a lot. <laughs> it's it's a miracle to me that I have a job like this at all. Okay, Jesus before Jesus. This book is about where Jesus shows up in the Old Testament, the way he shows up in prophecy, the way he's foreshadowed, and the way that he shows up in person. And we've already done one program on this. You can go back and find it at voiceofprophecy.com. Look for the Jesus Before Jesus episode. And I don't know what we'll call this one today, Jesus Before Jesus Part 2, or you know, Jesus in the Old Testament, or something mm-hmm. like that. Okay. So where we left off last time, we had looked at Jesus visiting Abraham on the plains of Mamre in Genesis chapter 18. Right. And it says, Yahweh, Jehovah, the Lord appeared to Abraham. And we know when we look at John chapter 1 and John chapter 6, when we look at John's gospel, Jesus says more than once, no man has seen the Father but me. Mm-hmm. Well, that has to be accurate because Jesus said it. And so we know it can't be God the Father who appears on the plains of Mamre, or Abraham would have seen him, and Jesus wouldn't have been quite accurate with that. Jesus tells John, uh, tells Nicodemus, rather, in John chapter 3, that you can't see the Holy Spirit either. It's like the wind. You see the wind move the trees, but you don't see the wind itself. So you see the effects of the Holy Spirit, but not the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Well, there are three members of the Godhead. Who does that leave for Abraham to visit with on the plains of Mamre? Mm-hmm. Well, it leaves Jesus. Yeah, it's Jesus. Yeah. And Jesus makes reference in John chapter 8 back to Abraham. And what's interesting is that in that story on the plains of Mamre, they're actually examining Sodom and Gomorrah. God is uh, initiating a kind of a judgment, a trial. And Abraham gets to say, look, I know what kind of God you are. You wouldn't do this if there are righteous people living in Sodom and Gomorrah. And God says that is right. And it foreshadows the heavenly judgment where Jesus is declared worthy in Daniel chapter 7. And you see another uh, instance of that in Revelation chapter 20. The angels are gathered around. They're looking at the books. And Jesus is declared worthy and given his inheritance. So it's not just the human race on trial. God puts himself on trial because we've had all these questions all these years. Is God really fair? Can he really be trusted? Mm-hmm. And does, has Jesus bought this planet back from the clutches of the devil. That's all on trial. So Jesus, of course, goes on trial with the religious authorities in John chapter 8. And uh, listen to this, uh, 8 and verse 50. I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks and judges. So the the subject of judgment comes up. Most assuredly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he shall never see death. So he's offering immortality through his word. All right? He's the creator, the one who can give life. Then the Jews said to him, now we know you have a demon. Abraham is dead. So what's the judgment? 
you know, you're not worthy. This is a right. judgment against Jesus' character. You know that you have a demon. Abraham is dead and the prophets, and you say, if anyone keeps my word, he shall never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham, who is dead? Oh, if they only knew. If they only knew. <laughs> right. And the prophets are dead. Who do you make yourself out to be? Right. That's the question Abraham's asking God. I know what kind of God you are. You wouldn't destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. Mm. The character of God is on trial in this story again in John chapter 8. Jesus answered, if I honor myself, my honor is nothing. It is my father who honors me, of whom you say that he is your God. So now he's turned the tables and they're on trial too. You've got to understand that in the heavenly judgment, both are on trial, the human races, but God puts himself on trial too because the truth isn't afraid of anything. No, right, right? right. God's truth is not fragile, so fragile that it can't stand up to scrutiny. He's quite happy for people to examine it. Verse mm-hmm. 55 of John 8, yet you have not known him, but I know him, right? the Father. You have not known him, I know him. Mm-hmm. That There's more evidence again that on the plains of memory, it can't be the Father who showed up. And if I say I do not know him, I shall be a liar like you, but I do know him and keep his word. Now follow this carefully. This is astounding. Verse 56. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. So Abraham understood who Jesus would be. He saw the day that Jesus would walk on the planet. He foresaw Jesus. And, of course, we know Jesus paid him a visit in person. Oh, to be a fly on the wall to hear that whole conversation as they're having dinner. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. He knows who Jesus would be. 57, verse 57 of John 8. Then the Jews said to him, You are not yet 50 years old, and you have seen Abraham? Mm. Uh, The answer, Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. So Jesus is literally saying, they put him on trial again, just like Abraham put him on trial, but Abraham's asking sincere questions. These guys are asking insincere questions. They put the same person on trial, and Jesus points them all the way back to that story of Abraham. I was there. Of course I know Abraham. We were friends. Yes. I mean, yes. it's, it, it is. So yes, I'm yes. convinced it was Jesus on okay. the plains of Mamre. Okay. Absolutely. Oh, right. So fascinating. Then we we really got into is. another topic too, didn't we? Yeah, we did. We did. Um, you know, Sean, we, we started talking about this, but let's explore this a little further here if we could. You know, in the story of Abraham and Isaac, right. we talked a little bit about that. There is a lot of typology or symbolism in that story right. that points points forward right. to a, Jesus. A type, of course, is a symbol mm-hmm. of something that is coming. So a lamb would be a type of Jesus, right? right? right. Or a symbol that points forward. Mm-hmm. The story of Abraham and Isaac, and I think we brought this up in our last you know, We've foray just into this to topic. It. Mm-hmm. it there is so much foreshadowing of Jesus here that it, it it boggles the mind. This story is found in Genesis chapter twenty-two, and of course, this is where Abraham now has his son of promise, and Jesus, of course, is a son of promise. Oh, right. He gets this promised son after he blows it. You know, the the story of the Bible is the story of the human race blowing it. Uh, Sarah and Abraham can't figure out how they're supposed to have a baby at their advanced age, and so. Sarah basically says, hey, Abraham, why don't you sleep with the help? Right, right. It's, yeah, it, it's, they decide uh, to take matters into their... That's right. And Abraham goes for it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, we probably should read that in the context of their time and day, not our time and day. But he goes for it. And Ishmael's not the son of promise. Right. Isaac is the son of promise. Isaac is, is the heir from the beginning. That's right. Mm-hmm. And yeah. just like Jesus is the heir of all things in the New Testament. Right. He's the promised only begotten son who's the heir of all things. That's mm-hmm. true of Isaac. So he's foreshadowing Jesus. Okay. Genesis 22, God asks Abraham, he tests Abraham, take your only son Isaac, verse 2, whom you love, 
and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I shall tell you. So we talked about this last time. They go to Moriah, the land of Moriah, to a specific mountain that God points out. Well, it just so happens that Mount Calvary is in the land of Moriah, and that's the specific mountain where God's only begotten son was sacrificed for the sins of the world. God gave up his son, and he's saying to Abraham as an object lesson, as a test, saying, take your son to that specific mountain. Takes him to the very place where the Son of God would give his life, you know, thousands of years yeah. later. Yeah. So they go, mm-hmm. and, um, and in verse 6 it says, Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and did what with it? He laid it on Isaac, his son. So his son is so basically he, carrying it on his back. He's carrying the wood for his own sacrifice on his back up a specific mountain in the land of Moriah. Right. And what happens later when God's only begotten son comes? Mm. They lay the cross on him and on he carries it to his back. to the point where he collapses under the weight and Simon of Cyrene has to carry the cross for him and stuff, but he carries the wood of his own sacrifice. There's no mm. question. This mm. is showing us Jesus and it gets more specific yet. And we're going about to get into territory we didn't have time for last time. Okay, good. Um, But verse 7, Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, my father. And he said, here I am, my son. Mm -hmm. No, there's all kinds of that going on in Gethsemane and and Jesus crying out to his father. And of course, at one point, Jesus can't see his father. Oh, you know, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Here we have some reassurance. Abraham saying, I'm here. I'm here. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, But the question Isaac asks is, where is the lamb? Now, last time we looked at this passage... We studied the the idea of first mention in the Bible. The first time the Bible mentions something, pay attention. It's setting the stage for understanding that symbol or that concept throughout the whole Bible. This is the first mention of a lamb, and it surprises people. They expect the lamb much earlier. Mm -hmm. This is it, and it's a question. The question is, where's the lamb? Where's the lamb? Mm. You get to John's Gospel where the word of God is introduced, and it kind of reverts to the language of Genesis almost as it opens. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with, with God. God yeah. mm-hmm. And the first mention of a lamb in John's gospel actually answers Isaac's question. It's John the Baptist sees Jesus coming to the river, and what does he say? He says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the right. world. He answers the yeah. question. There's no question so the in first... my mind. There's no doubt that this is actually pointing forward to Christ sacrifice at well, Calvary. You, you know what I, I think is neat here, Sean? Maybe it's a minor point, but the first mention in the Old Testament of the Lamb and then the first mention in the New Testament answer each other. No, it's not and, the first mention in the New Testament. Oh, okay. It's the first mention okay. in John's Gospel. In John's Gospel. Okay. Right. All right. Never mind. Okay. All right. Okay. I <laughs> just, did I squash your point no, on live well, radio? I'm just saying we're, we're showing yeah. how the Old Testament and the New Testament show us a picture of Jesus. No, they do. A complete picture You should always look for first mention, and if you find first mention in the Old Testament something, go look for it in the New Testament or look for it in a book. It's mm-hmm. a fascinating study. It'll open up the Bible for you. Yeah. Okay. So... The answer in verse 8. We're going to pick up now where we were. Genesis 22, verse 8. Yeah. And Abraham said, my son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So the Mm -hmm. answer's there, too. And it shows up again in John's gospel. Behold the lamb. Here he is. Mm -hmm. There's no question. If you look at the language of the gospels, they write with a sense. If you read it in the original, they write with a sense that the Old Testament wasn't finished. It leaves it hanging in Second Chronicles 36. Temple's been sacked, and the whole story's left hanging. Messiah has not come. The glory of the second temple, they don't understand how it might be greater than the first, and they all write like they're picking up the story where it left off. So the, there's all these linguistic cues in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John that they're finishing the story, and this is why you have to read both Testaments. Verse 9. 
Uh, So the two of them went together, verse 8. They came to the place of which God had told him. And Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in order. And he bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. Now here, this is where it's going to get good. And we're going to have to take a break and leave everybody hanging. Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. Now there's imagery there. God the Father gave his son. God Mm -hmm. so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. The Father gives the son. They're both involved in the plan of salvation, right? All three members of the Godhead are involved in saving us. There's not a cruel God who hated us in the Old Testament and a loving God who saves us in the New. They're all involved. The Father takes the knife. And here it comes, verse 11. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. Now, right there, we see one of the biggest key figures in the Old Testament, the angel of the Lord. What do you notice about the word angel? Oh, uppercase. Uppercase A. It is capital Mm. A, angel. And there is a reason that the translators made that a capital A. So what we're going to do is leave everybody hanging for just a moment. We're about to take a break. If for some reason you don't hear the next part of this show, go to voiceofprophecy.com and pick up the whole episode. It'll be called, I don't know, Jesus Before Jesus Part 2 or Jesus in the Old Testament, one of those. And uh, But after this break, we'll pick up this discussion and talk about this mysterious angel of the Lord. Are you searching for answers to life's toughest questions like, Where is God when we suffer? Can I find real happiness? Or is there any hope for our chaotic world? The Discover Bible Guides will help you find the answers you're looking for. Visit us at BibleStudies.com or give us a call at 888-456-7933 for your free Discover Bible Guides. Study online on our secure website or have the free guides mailed right to your home. There is never a cost or obligation. The Discover Bible Guides are our free gift to you. Find answers and guides like, Does My Life Really Matter to God? and a second chance at life. You'll find answers to the things that matter most to you in each of the 26 Discover Bible Guides. Visit BibleStudies.com and begin your journey today to discover answers to life's deepest questions. Sean. Yeah. Now, hey, Jean, do you, I want you to notice something. Look. Yes. This pillowcase, this pillowcase that the old Martin Luther book from 1652 is wrapped in mm-hmm. matches your jacket. Not quite. No, no, not quite. It's not a little quite. more <laughs> salmon-y or yellowy. But pretty close. But it's kind of, you're not wearing a fuchsia off. jacket. Like, how mm-hmm. many men in this world know the difference between pink and fuchsia? You do. I know the difference. I know why you. Is do. that actually fuchsia? Yeah. Well, the reason um, I know that is no, not because I'm into. Fuchsia. I'm not in. I'm not into matching and decorating. I'm pretty, you know, dumb about. But I used to dye carpets. You did. I used to dye so you carpets. Know your color wheel. And I know my color wheel. <laughs> and I can actually create. I can actually see all the colors that are in that pillow, and I can recreate it with a set of dyes. So mm-hmm. there you go. It's all science, yeah. right? Okay. If you think Let's get back to our way. Bible study. We're going to run out of time. We were with Abraham and Isaac in the mountains of Moriah on the specific mountain where God told him to sacrifice his only begotten son. And Isaac carried the wood of his own sacrifice there, and Abraham has the knife stretched out. We're now in Genesis 22 and verse 11. Mm -hmm. But the angel of the Lord, capital A. Now, no capitals in the original Hebrew, but there is a reason that the translator so many years ago put a capital A there, because this is a very special character in the Old Testament. The angel of the Lord called to him from heaven. Now a voice comes from the sky and says, Abraham, Abraham. 
Mm -hmm. right? The angel of the Lord. It's not an angel of the Lord. It's the angel of the Lord. And here's what I'm going to propose. Okay. The angel of the Lord, when you see a capital A, more often than not, is actually a personal appearance by Jesus in the Old Testament. Now, I want to be careful because the minute I say that, somebody's hackles will go up and say, you're accusing Jesus of being a mere angel and a created being. No, I am not. Jesus is fully God. He is not a created being. Okay. I want so you to how, think of this as a title, not this is not a description of a species of being. Okay. This is a title. So let's unpack this a little bit. Yeah, let's um, do. So we So the it. angel of the Lord. And I, I, we we will before we're done I'll show you why Bible Christian Bible commentators have thought this for years okay. that the angel of the Lord. It's going to show up in some of our study today. Abraham calls out And he says, here I am, verse 12. He said, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him, for I now know that you fear God. Uh, Verse 13. Then Abraham lifted his eyes and looked, and there was behind him a ram caught in a thicket by its horn. So Abraham Mm -hmm. took the ram. So now we have a substitute for the human being. Right. So it goes right right to the whole principle of substitution, right? Substitution at the cross or at sacrifice. Mm -hmm. Abraham called the name of the place the Lord will provide. Mm -hmm. And as it is said today in the mount, the Lord shall be provided. And if this is the very mountain of Calvary, the Lord provided for our salvation in that very, very spot. This is one of the most powerful Jesus stories in the Old Testament. Oh, and I love this story. I really, really do. Now, Sean, you mentioned the angel, capital A, um, that angel of the Lord is often a reference to the pre-incarnate Jesus. Now, I know you're not saying Jesus is an angel, right. but but why do you say that? Explain well, yeah. it and, for and us. I want to be careful with the whole capital A concept, too. I'm not, you know, off the top of my head, I'm not convinced, convinced that every English translation capitalizes that A. Okay. And I wouldn't hang it on that, but I'm just saying that there was a reason the translators did that, because they had a suspicion about this character. Okay. Why do I say the angel of the Lord is probably the pre-incarnate Jesus? Not that Jesus is an angel. There's no way he is. Right. He is God. Right. He is fully Absolutely. God. This God the Son, and he's God in human flesh in the New Testament. Um, so I want to make that very, very clear. And there are Christian groups who try and diminish Jesus because they misunderstand a passage like this and say, oh, he's just a created being or he's yeah. an angel. And that's not, not a what chance. we're doing. Not what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. The answer to why is found in the story of the burning bush in Exodus chapter 3. Okay. This is where Moses is out tending his sheep, and he suddenly sees a bush on fire. Now, if you live in the desert and there's a bush on fire, Ooh. big problem. We've lived Huge. in the desert, Problem. right? It takes mm-hmm. about an hour for that to go two miles and burn your house down. Yeah. So everybody notices a fire in the desert. Let's read this. Okay. Exodus 3, verse 2. Uh, go ahead. Read that very first phrase to me. Exodus 3, verse 2. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst okay. so of the bush. Okay, so who's in the burning bush? The angel of the right. Lord. And in this translation, in the New King James Version, they capitalized it again. It's the they angel did. of the Lord. Mm-hmm. So who is that? Listen to this. Yeah. So he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. It's a special fire in the bush. Right. Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush does not burn. Verse 4. Here it comes. This is important. So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from where? Ah, the midst of the bush. It said, Moses, Moses. Now here, this is fascinating. Just a byline. Jesus has this personality trait where he uses people's names twice. Peter, Peter, Mary, Mary, Paul, Paul, why do you persecute me? Samuel, Samuel. Samuel, Samuel. Well, yeah, now you're going back to the Old Testament, and now you have to do your homework to figure out that that's Jesus. But (laughs) Moses, Moses, and he said, here I am. So Mm -hmm. the angel of the Lord appears 
to him in a flame of fire from the midst of the bush. And then just within a couple of sentences, it says God is in the burning bush calling out to him. Mm. And he has the personality trait of Jesus, using Jesus, someone's first name twice. That's just, that's not evidence. That's just that's interesting. interesting. Because yeah. in the story yeah. of Abraham and Isaac, he says, Abraham, Abraham. Oh, he does too. Yeah. Calls from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Yeah. Oh my God. I hadn't seen that before. Aha. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> there you go. But now, now we've got even more. There, it seems to be when Jesus shows up, he loves using people's first name twice. That's interesting. That's mm-hmm. not evidence. No. You know, don't ask for a scientific study on this, but right. it's just something I've tended to notice. Yeah. So here's what we've got in the story of the burning bush. It's the angel of the Lord in the bush. It's the angel of the Lord. But then it says it's God. And the next okay. few verses really underscore that Moses is faced with the divine presence. In the Bible, fire is often, a, you know, just a fire, but it's also a symbol of the presence of God. Pentecost, what's on the disciples' heads? Right, it's flames Tongue, of fire. Tongues, tongues of, of fire. fire. Mm-hmm. God descends on Mount Sinai. What happens? There's smoke and fire on the top of the mountain. It's often an indication. If there's a miraculous story taking place and there's fire, it's usually an indication of the presence of God. The presence of God went with the Israelites in the wilderness. Right. At night, it was fire. a pillar of fire. Mm-hmm. Exodus 3, verse 5. Uh, God tells Moses exactly who he is. He said, do not draw near this place. Take your sandals off your feet. Moreover, he said, I am the God of your father. Mm. I'm the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he's afraid to look upon God. So it's clearly God, the same God who visited Abraham, by the way. Right. right? This is mm-hmm. the God of Abraham in mm-hmm. the bush, and it calls him the angel of the Lord. Okay. Right. So. This is clearly Jesus. This is the God who spoke to Abraham, and that's Jesus. We know that already. So when you see the angel of the Lord in the Bible, um, there's a good chance you're looking at an appearance of Jesus. Sometimes it says an angel of the Lord, and then the context gives it away. But this is something that Bible scholars and Christians have recognized for a long, 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 long time. Adam Clark, the great commentator. Every preacher in the world, I think, has Adam Clark's Clark's commentaries. Yeah, yeah. I've got him in my study. (laughs) Sure. You know, we're talking a couple hundred years ago. Adam Clark says... I think it's a couple hundred years ago. We're getting there. Mm. Commenting on this very passage says that this angel was, and I'll read this to you. Adam Clark says, not a created angel, certainly, for he is called Jehovah, the angel of the Lord. He's got Jehovah's name. Has the most expressive attributes of the Godhead applied to him. Yet he is an angel, in the Hebrew, Malach, a messenger in whom was the name of God, and in whom uh, dwelt all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And who was this? But Jesus, the leader, redeemer, and savior of mankind. Historically, Christians have seen Jesus in this angel of the Lord figure. Not because he's an angel, but because he's bringing a message from the Father, and he's God the Son, through whom God creates and communicates Mm -hmm. um, with us. Mm -hmm. And, of course... Later in later years, when Jesus is wrestling with the authorities in his day and they ask him who he is, he says, most assuredly, I say to you, John 8, before Abraham was, I am. And the the God in the burning bush identifies himself to Moses as the I am, I am the yeah. self-existent one. Here it is, Exodus 3.14. God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Okay. Hmm. Powerful. So very, very powerful. So is that the only place where the angel of the oh, Lord not, seems yeah. to be the pre-incarnate Jesus? Not Are there even, others? Yeah, not even by a long shot. Okay. I bet you we burn up the rest of today's program on this, but it's worth it. Now, <laughs> yeah, again, if you're just tuning in, we're, 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 we're taking some studies out of this book, Jesus Before Jesus. You can get it at voiceofprophecy.com. 
uh, go to the store section. There's a little tab on the top right. We're offering this for like three bucks, I mm-hmm. think. I mean, as yeah. of today, it's three dollars, and if it's the year 2072, and it's probably three thousand dollars. But that's still pocket change. Well, and I don't know that we'll ever reprint it, so it may no, be there, just as it long a, as it lasts. It is a limited supply. I don't yes. know how many of these are left. It's not a lot, so right. it's first come, first serve, and when they're gone, they are. Gone. And you okay. get into this, what we're talking about today, in yep. even greater detail. Okay, angel of the Lord. All right. Where else does he Where appear? Where else is it? The Bible teaches that as Israel went from Egypt to Canaan, the presence of God traveled with them. I mentioned this a moment ago. Mm-hmm. It was mm-hmm. a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire. Presence of God is often indicated. Our God is a consuming fire, right? A pillar of fire by night. When they pitched camp, the Israelites, that same presence would descend into, I'm, I'm making hand gestures, even though this is radio, nobody can, well, you can see it. You can come yeah, to Voice of Prophecy yeah. and watch me make People amazing hand it. gestures. <laughs> I'm Dutch, and that's not even a Dutch trait. We, we thump our fists. We're Germanic peoples. Yeah. Okay, that, that, that pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night would descend into the tabernacle and actually take up residence between the two angels on top of the Ark of the Covenant, inside the most holy place. And, and of course, we know that that was the place God communicated. God is often described as uh, dwelling between the cherubim. Mm-hmm. The Ark of the Covenant is a symbol of God's throne in heaven. So that presence would come down and take up residence above the ark. Now look at how the Bible describes the presence that would travel with them and sit above the mercy seat of the Ark of the Covenant in Exodus chapter 23. Listen to this. Listen to this. Behold, I send a what? An angel. An angel before you to keep you in the way and bring you into the place which I have prepared. Beware of him and obey his voice. Do not provoke him, for he will not pardon your transgressions, for my name is in him. Now, a name is another way of saying that he has the same character as God the Father. Jesus said in John 17, I have shown them your name. I have Mm -hmm. come to display your name, your character. God's name in Exodus 33 and 34, he says, I'll show you my name. I will show you my glory. I will show you my character. This angel has the very character of God, right? And we discover that in Philippians chapter 2, that Jesus not thought it not robbery to be equal with God, right, and right. that he is the manifestation of, 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 of God, and, mm-hmm. and so on. Verse 22 of Exodus 23. Okay. But if you indeed obey his voice and do all that I speak, then I will be an enemy to your enemies and an adversary to your adversaries. For my angel will go before you and bring you into the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites. Perizzites, that's my favorite one because it sounds like Parasite. Yeah, oh. <laughs> The Perizzites and the Canaanites and the Hivites and the Jebusites, and I will cut them off. Okay. This is key. We have to do a little more homework to prove our case. But the Bible uses the angel of the Lord and the Lord interchangeably when it speaks about this presence that traveled with the children of Israel. So really quick, we've got a break coming really quick. Exodus thirteen twenty one says, The Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud. Mm-hmm. Exodus fourteen nineteen, And the angel of God who went before the camp of Israel moved and went before them, and the pillar of cloud went before them. So one says the Lord, another one says the angel of the Lord. Numbers 12, then the Lord came down in the pillar of cloud. It uses this angel of God or angel of the Lord and Lord interchangeably when talking about this presence that goes before. God the Father says, this angel of the Lord, my name is in him. And then it begins to use the terms Lord or Jehovah, and the angel of God interchangeably. There is something special. This is not a created angel. This is not from a Victorian Christmas card. This is not cherubim. This is not seraphim. This takes up residence between the cherubim, which is where the presence of God was. Now, we're going to take a break, and I'm going to nail the coffin in the case. We're going to prove this for all time. good. Not only does this angel have the name of God on him, 
have the character of God in him, and the Bible uses it interchangeably, when we get to the New Testament, Paul's going to demonstrate conclusively that the presence in that cloud is not just any member of the Godhead, it's actually Jesus Christ himself, which tells me something. He didn't, you know, leave town after Eden and come back for the cross. He stayed with his people the entire time. We're about to take a break. We're talking about Jesus before Jesus. You're listening to Disclosure, and we'll be right back. Are you searching for answers to life's toughest questions like, Where is God when we suffer? Can I find real happiness? Or, Is there any hope for our chaotic world? The Discover Bible Guides will help you find the answers you're looking for. Visit us at BibleStudies.com or give us a call at 888-456-7933 for your free Discover Bible Guides. Study online on our secure website or have the free guides mailed right to your home. There is never a cost or obligation. The Discover Bible Guides are our free gift to you. Find answers and guides like, Does My Life Really Matter to God? and A Second Chance at Life. You'll find answers to the things that matter most to you in each of the 26 Discover Bible Guides. Visit BibleStudies.com and begin your journey today to discover answers to life's deepest questions. Hey kids, have you ever had questions like, is there anything or anyone out there other than humans? Visit BibleStudies.com and begin your journey today. And we are back for the final segment of the show. The clock says we've got just a few minutes left, Jean. Wow. And again, you filled up all the time with all your talking. You just go and go and go, and I can't even get in a word edgewise. I have lots to say, lots in yeah. my brain. Well, this is the one place I get to dominate. I do live yeah. in a house full of women. Yeah, yeah. Although well, I like to write, I like to take over those conversations. I'm not a typical man in that I probably out-talk the three of you put together. Yeah, you do. Preach, <laughs> preacher men are not typical men. You you guys talk a lot. <laughs> yeah. You said that with a note of bitterness. No, no, yeah. just reality. I could talk I could talk most people under the table. I yes, can. You can. Okay. Just before the break, we looked at the angel who was sent before the children of Israel and he's in the cloud. Right. Um and it says that his God's name is in this special angel and it would go before them and then it begins to use the word Lord or Jehovah, Yahweh, interchangeably with the angel of God. We looked mm-hmm. at Exodus. 13, Exodus 14, Numbers chapter 12, and we're starting to discover this is not a created angel because it takes up residence between the cherubim and the spot reserved for God. God dwells between the cherubim. Whoever this is takes up residence between the cherubim above the Ark of the Covenant, just like the book of Psalms and all these passages say that God dwells between the cherubim. It's God, but which member of the Godhead is it? Mm -hmm. 1 Corinthians 10. This is fascinating. Paul says this in verse 1. Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that all our fathers were under the cloud. Mm -hmm. They were. He's talking about Israel crossing the desert. Right. right? Under the cloud. All passed through the sea. What sea did they pass through? The Red Sea. The Red Mm -hmm. Sea. All were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and all ate the same spiritual food. True. And here comes verse 4. He's just going to name who's in the cloud. And all drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was 
Christ. Christ. So he he says it. says it. Yeah, he just says it point blank. And yeah. if I were to be really honest, I first discovered this passage and then went back and did my homework on the rest. So I was <laughs> cheating. I knew I knew yeah. the end of the story before we started well, okay. the study. But it's fascinating. But Exodus says the presence was the angel of the Lord. Capital A, it's not trying to infer at all that Jesus is an angel, uh, but that he is a special messenger. Angel also just means messenger. You and okay. I could be angels. The book of Revelation named the elders of each church in Asia Minor as angels delivering a message from God. Jesus absolutely delivers a message from the Father. God the Son displays the character of the Father. He's a messenger. He is God, but he's also bringing a message from the Father. And the message is, I love you. Mm. I got this under control. So it's more of a job description. More of a job description. Oh, it gets so much better, right? Again, I just want to emphasize that we are not saying Jesus is an angel. I just want to say that a thousand times because there are groups who say that. So what do we know? Jesus creates the human race. We saw it Colossians 1, Hebrews 1, John 1. He's promised to the human race, Genesis chapter 3. He handpicks Abraham as the father of a nation that would prepare the world for his arrival, Mm -hmm. and he meets with Abraham. He personally guides the whole operation from Abraham leaving Chaldea to Israel leaving Egypt. He's there the whole time until he becomes a human being and steps up to the cross. God's level of involvement, his control of the whole operation of salvation is breathtaking. Not for one moment was he missing. Wow. Not for one moment. I, I love that, that picture of him always being being with us. Yeah. So we've got Jesus visiting Abraham, visiting Moses, leading the Israelites across the desert. Do we have time for any other yeah, examples? Yeah, we do. There's so there much more. Some. I mean, there's so much more. We could spend, <laughs> okay. we could do a five-hour telethon on this topic. Wow. It's one of my favorites. And again, the book... And look at me, plug. Jesus before Jesus. I, it's, yeah, Jesus yeah. before Jesus. It's only three bucks. It, yeah. You will get hours and hours of Bible study it's out of this. Finding resource. Jesus in the Old Testament. It's it's one of the resources I'm happiest mm-hmm. about in the resources that we have at the website, voiceofprophecy.com. Uh, let me give you one more. Okay. Let's Let's do one more. Okay. okay? Uh, from the experience of Israel going into the land of Canaan. So okay. we've got the cloud which we know point blank based on Paul's writing, is Christ. That's the presence. That's the God, member of the Godhead who's actually physically present with the Israelites. So he's leading them in. Moses dies, right, Right. by the end of the story. He's Mm -hmm. up on the mountain. The Lord buries him personally. Mm -hmm. Um, I'd like to think that's also Jesus who comes and buries him. It's so so touching, right? But the mantle of leadership after Moses dies falls on Joshua. Joshua, Mm -hmm. Imagine that. You're following a huge success, and you're a young man. Moses is legendary. He still stands at the apex of believers for both Jews and Christians. Moses is a towering figure, and you got to take his place. Right, right. He'd be, yeah. And Joshua is not a young man at that stage well, either. Well, he's mm-hmm. getting there. He's getting there. Yeah. Um, he's one of the two spies who went to Canaan, and he chooses to believe that God's promise uh, God promised they could take it. He chooses to believe that they can do it. That's right. And most of Israel dies off. They have to die in the wilderness because of unbelief. Mm-hmm. There's a great exposition on that in the book of Hebrews, uh, except for two, Joshua and Caleb, right. who are the faithful. Two faithful spies. Now, now mm-hmm. near the beginning of the book that bears Joshua's name, the book of Joshua, he's near the city of Jericho. It's just about time to go into the promised land. And he's probably out of the camp thinking about the huge job that lies ahead of him. Yeah. Probably spends yeah. a lot of time out praying by himself. Joshua, by the way, is synonymous with Jesus. Yeshua, Joshua, they're all the the same root. So Joshua himself, leading the people into the promised land, is a prophecy of Jesus who will ultimately lead us into his kingdom, his promised land. Mm -hmm. Every detail points to Jesus. It's remarkable. But here comes comes this most astonishing story. This is one of my favorites. Joshua 5.13. And it came to pass, When Joshua was by Jericho, that he lifted his eyes and looked, and behold, a what? 
a man. A man. Now, you notice, what did the translators do with the word man there? They they gave it a capital M. Now, Mm -hmm. there's no capitalization in the original language. This is what English translators have done with this. But there's a reason Bible scholars put a capital M there. They've got a suspicion. Mm -hmm. A man stood opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said, are you for us or for our adversaries? Mm -hmm. Okay, verse 14. So he said, no, but as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. So who is this? He's got a sword drawn. He's the commander of the Lord's army. And he said to him, what does my Lord say to his servant? Then the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, take your sandal off your foot for the place where you stand is holy. And Joshua did so. So that's what happened to Moses at the burning bush. You're on holy ground. And now Joshua's getting his own kind of burning bush experience. Take off your shoes. You're on holy ground. And then he does it in this story. And if you read Joshua 5, he actually worships this being who's the commander of the Lord's host. Now, if this was just an angel, if this was Gabriel who came to talk to him, Gabriel would have said, what are you doing, Joshua? Do not yeah, worship, worship me. Get up. Me. And, right. Mm-hmm. Revelation 19 and tw- Revelation 22. Twice John the Revelator sees mm-hmm. an angel and bows down. I fell down at his feet to worship him. And the angel goes, well, angel goes, that's bad English. <laughs> the translators don't say, and the angel went. <laughs> no, the angel no. said, what are you doing? I'm paraphrasing. Right. Get up off the ground. I am your fellow servant. Right. I am a created being just like you. And so the angel goes, and then John goes, and then the angel goes. <laughs> you valley girl. Like, totally, dude. Like, yeah. yeah. No. But this being the commander of the Lord's host encourages it. That's right. right. Take right. off your shoes, and you're on holy ground. Mm-hmm. Right. Now, take this whole concept. This is the commander of the Lord's army. They're about to take over the land of Canaan. It's interesting to me that when Jericho falls, they never touch it. They march around the city following the Ark of the Covenant, which represents the throne of God. They follow the Ark of the Covenant across the Jordan River, and the Jordan parts miraculously. They don't have to build a bridge. They don't have to build a battering ram and ramps, earthen works, and all that stuff to take Jericho. They follow the Ark, and God does all the heavy lifting. The, The walls fall down on their own, and the commander of the Lord's host is saying, I'm going in ahead of you. An army of angels is going to handle going into the promised land. None of this is up to you. So already we have the story of the gospel prefigured. You and I have fig leaves for clothes, like Adam and I've tried. Adam and Eve tried to put on, mm-hmm. and God said, "No, I got something better. Skins. That's going to solve your problem." You and I try to buy our own salvation by doing good deeds, or uh, by minimizing the idea of sin in our brains, or a thousand different ways we try to reconcile our guilt. And God says, "No, no. The only one who can do this work. It's not by works, lest man can boast." Ephesians chapter two. You have to come and take this as a gift from Jesus, and so. Canaan ends up being a gift. They don't touch anything. The commander of the Lord's host handles all the details. So there's a salvation message in there. But now take a look at this story. He identifies himself as the commander of the Lord's host. And then you go to Revelation 19. In the book of Revelation, we have a description of the second coming. And of course, the second coming is that incredible moment when Jesus, our heavenly Joshua, comes and gets us and leads us into the heavenly promised land. We leave Ah. Egypt, the bondage of sin behind. All of this. As a matter of fact, matter of fact, we saw that Paul called um, the going through the Red Sea, he compared it to baptism. Mm-hmm. There's another signal there. Mm-hmm. Um, God often refers to the children of Israel as my son Israel. I know a, of one example for sure where he says, this is my son Israel. Okay. Jesus is about to begin his uh, ministry. What's the first thing he does? He baptized. goes to the Jordan River and he's baptized. What's mm-hmm. the next thing he does? Mm-hmm. He goes into the wilderness to be tempted for 40, 40 days. days. And what happens when Israel goes through the Jordan River, or goes through the Red Sea? They wander in the wilderness for 40 40 years, years, Mm -hmm. right? 
there is so much in this story. This is so exciting to me. I know it's not everybody's <laughs> cup of tea, I imagine, but no, okay. Revelation 19, Jesus coming again. We're about to go into the heavenly promised land. Chapter 19. Now I saw heaven open to behold a white horse, and he who sat on him was called faithful and true, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. So we have military, you know, martial language again, like we did in Joshua 5. Mm -hmm. His eyes were like a flame of fire, his head were many crowns. Oh, we need to study the description of Jesus in Revelation sometime, because every bit of it's important. Um, He had a name written on... Uh, written that no one knew except himself. Revelation 19.13, he was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. Who's the Word of God? That's Jesus. It's Jesus, Mm -hmm. right? And here it comes, verse 14. And the armies of heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. So who's the Word of God? Mm, Jesus. Jesus Mm -hmm. is the Word of God. And what's he doing in this passage? He's leading? The armies of heaven. Right. The angelic host. Ah. The Bible teaches that all the heavenly angels come back Follow with him. Jesus when he comes. I think mm-hmm. that's Matthew. Mm-hmm. Ah, some word is written. That's what Paul says. Some, I think it's Matthew twenty five thirty one. Okay. Um, but all the, well, I'm going to look that up. Matthew 25, because I'm not just happy just saying that on the air, and I want to make sure. Now, if it's not in Matthew 25, verse 31, you're on your own to go find that yourself, folks. Oh, yeah. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Okay, so he's leading the armies of heaven. Jesus, the word of God, leading the armies of heaven. Out of his mouth goes a sharp sword that with it he should strike the nations. And who takes down the pagan empire? The commander of the Lord's host takes down Jericho. The story of Jericho foreshadows um, our redemption, our redemption from Egyptian bondage and our entrance into Jesus' kingdom, the land of promise, the heavenly Canaan, and so on. He has on his robe and his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Now, here's what's remarkable. Jesus is the commander of the Lord's host. He's depicted in Revelation 19 as leading the armies of heaven back to this world to put an end to human kingdoms and suffering and misery and establish his own kingdom. And that same entity shows up and he accepts worship in Joshua chapter 5 and describes himself as the commander of the Lord's host, the one who leads the armies of angels. And they go in and lead Israel into the promised land by doing the conquering for them, just like Jesus does. So the question is, who is it that appears in Joshua chapter 5? There's no question about it. It is Jesus. A theologian would call this a Christophany. Okay. A mm-hmm. revealing of Jesus mm-hmm. before he is born. The Bible is full of these. Mm-hmm. And again, Gene, the big message is this. God's got this under control. He's got the whole plan. He didn't set the plan of salvation in motion and then disappear and let us sort it out for ourselves. He's been here the whole time. When Jesus says, I will never leave you or forsake you, that has always been true. That didn't start with the New Testament church. It started at the gates of Eden, and Jesus has been with his people through the desert, through Israel, in the presence in the temple. He is, And then he comes in human flesh. He, he just keeps identifying with us closer and closer and closer until he comes and gets us and sets us free from this world because we've been forgiven through through the blood he shed Amen. at the mountains of Amen. Moriah. Shows us the character of God. Uh, it, it is. The depth of it is amazing. The book is Jesus Before Jesus. We only have a few of these left. You want to go to voiceofprophecy.com, and uh, it's three bucks. I mean, I'm practically losing my shirt on this. That's the truth. We, we want you to have it. When you see Absolutely. that the God of the Old Testament is the same as the God of the New Testament, and that he, every move he makes is to save you and get you into his kingdom, it's all the more reason to love Jesus. He's the God of both the Old and the New Testament. I hear the music playing. 
we are out of time. We are. Yeah. We should come back to this topic someday again. And uh, we should do a, a show on the description of Jesus, Jesus and Revelation. the book of Revelation. I that agree. would be a great show, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. Folks, thanks for joining us on Disclosure from the Voice of Prophecy. Until we can meet again, this is it. Talk to you again soon.